0: i to say. Let's talk about the everyday matters of life womanhood, motherhood, marriage, friendship, and more. We're all new to this thing called life. We've never done it before. Tune in to this podcast and be encouraged, inspired, restored, find new joy and purpose as you grow into the woman you are called to be. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Rosalie Elliott with Woman Unplugged and I'm so excited about this episode today. Thank you for tuning in. I have a very, very special guest with me today. She is hot and gorgeous she is author published author she is mother to two children wife and so much more so i would like to welcome wendy nunnery with me today
1: thank you so much for having me this is so exciting i'm so happy that
0: you're here um yes thank you for agreeing to talk to me today I think like that we there's don't talk all the
1: time yeah like we don't
0: talk all the time which is one of the reasons why i feel like we just it was a good idea to decide to do this yeah. because a lot of our conversations end up so encouraging and uplifting
1: mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of stuff i think that we've said over the years that sometimes i wish i could go back and a lot of it i remember but there are other things too in the conversation where it's really spirit-led yes and spirit-filled and you'll be needing something or i'll be needing something and you know, each one of us will say something that's just really packs a punch and hits right where it needs to. Yeah. And sometimes I wish I could go back and re-listen to those conversations. So
0: I agree. This will be fun. A lot of truth telling and that's good. We need that. So just tell us a little bit about yourself to start with. Who are you? What you do, where you come from, where do you go? <laughs> <laughs> Got that
1: joke. Uh yeah, so I actually we live in Atlanta, obviously, and I grew up in a really small town west of Atlanta. Went to school at Georgia Southern in South Georgia. Go Eagles. And um, I met my husband there and a lot of our friends there. You know, a lot of our really, really close friends we met there. And that was kind of where I think of my... It's kind of where I think of my life starting Mm -hmm. as at at Southern. Um, My degree was in creative writing, so I was writing there. um, Got married after college. And, yeah, we've been married for almost 11 years. And I've just been writing. I've written two books that have been published i'm sorry three one of them was with a um with an internship that i had so it wasn't really a narrative or anything it was a coffee table book so i have three books and yeah i'm writing a new book called good enough learning to let go of perfect for the sake of holy because i'm a type one on the enneagram we can talk about that later (laughs) Um, if there's ever been a type one title it's that one and uh yeah so i also have a podcast called the so ocd podcast and i just did a short a short series of that uh, back in the spring before i had my son i might be bringing that back in the fall i'm not really sure yet i'm working on some other stuff right now like a Mm -hmm. devotional some different content for the website but yeah so i'm an author i'm a podcast host and i have two sweet babies who you know really well and yeah
0: that's awesome well it sounds like you have a lot going on like I said in the beginning I consider you a friend who is beautiful and accomplished and really a light and a blessing and I really mean this a light and a blessing to the lives you've touched be it through your role as a mother be it through your role as a wife Um, I'm sure many married women be it experienced in marriage or new to it can relate to the fact that it's nice to have someone you can talk to about those things which you are a friend like that yeah to um, see you touch the lives through your role as a mother, like I said, as a wife, and as a woman. I think that we need more of that. I think women need women Mm -hmm. to encourage each other and to uplift one another. And that goes for men as well, of course. But what comes to your mind when you hear words like woman or womanhood? What comes to your mind with those words?
1: Well, you you know, it's funny when you say that, actually one of the first things that comes to my mind is God. Mm. You know, I grew up in a, you know, we live in the South. I grew up in a Southern evangelical upbringing, and I never thought about God as having any kind of feminine characteristics, and that's something that I think in recent years I've really tried to embrace. Um, One of the things that I've read in multiple different places is um, how the, I think it's maybe the Aramaic or the Hebrew noun for Holy Spirit is a feminine noun, and, you know, it talks about god being like a you know like him you know with her babies under her wing and and there's a lot of that imagery i think in scripture that doesn't really get enough attention um we all are made in the image of god both male and female and he needed both of those things to reflect his image and so um when i think of womanhood now i think of so many women who are are trying to say You know, I am spirit filled too, and I have a voice and I have a place in the body of Christ Mm. and in the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a role here, and um, that God is doing good things through us too, and has been since the beginning. Yes. You know, Um, so I think about that, and I think also about strength. (laughs) Maybe I just had my son and gave birth to him unmedicated, and so I think about all the things that women go through uh-huh. you know for the sake of the people that we love and I think about sexuality and sensuality mm-hmm. and I think about community I think is a really big thing too for women mm-hmm. you know I think that's something that you and I have had together I know and babies <laughs> and our babies are friends and there's a lot that I think is encompassed in that word there's Mm -hmm. so much to explore I think and I love that you're doing a podcast specifically called Woman Unplugged because there's a lot to discuss.
0: (laughs) Yep that is true. Is there a woman in the Bible that resonates with you
1: a lot that you relate to if you had to pick one? Yeah you know I look I think everybody talks about Mary. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think about I think about Esther and I know that you know god's not really mentioned in that book Mm -hmm. but he's in the story he's all through the story you know and i think about the bravery of somebody saying i mean we we sort of look at that story i I know she has thoughts too we sort of look at that story as oh it was a beauty pageant and she became queen and it's wonderful but the reality is that was a power play Mm -hmm. and she didn't go into that willingly and it's more than likely that she was. it was more rape than it was a consensual sexual relationship. You know, she's sort of forced into that and chosen to become his queen because he had such a, a tantrum about his first wife not dancing for him and his friends. Um, but I think about her saying, I'm going to, I know what is right and I'm going to risk everything for my people. For the people that I love and I'm gonna I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna speak even mm-hmm. if it costs me and um, I just I don't know I just love her yeah I just love that story I think a lot of women do I think so too
0: I agree with you it is a powerful story when you think of the word mother
1: mm-hmm.
0: motherhood yeah. I know that it goes along with uh, womanhood for some but I think at the same time sometimes women think it has to go along with womanhood to be Right. part of it which yeah. is not true right there's right. women who are called to be mothers there are those who um, are called to other things right there's mm-hmm. women who are mothers to biological children to adopted children spiritual children foster children foster children of yeah. course or or being a mother as a through being teacher or being a, a speaker a mentor mm-hmm. um so of course you know that being said i want to clarify that i don't think those two have to go together womanhood right. or motherhood but that is one of the roles in life and as part of your womanhood that mm-hmm. you have yeah. what are your thoughts on that what does it mean to you to be a mother and what has it taught you about god
1: i say a lot of times that you know, when I got married, it was like holding up a mirror and saying, "Here are all the things that are wrong with you." <laughs> you know, because you're you're living with somebody, and suddenly you're mm-hmm. having to come face to face with some of your own uh-huh. stuff that mm-hmm. maybe you don't have to. Right. You don't have to address when it's just you. And being a mom makes that even more so. And then <laughs> every child that you add on to it just makes it even more so. Um, so I think it has really, it's given me a lot more clarity i think on who god is what his character is like Mm -hmm. and like you said obviously i don't believe that motherhood is a woman's highest calling Mm -hmm. i think that our highest calling is to serve jesus in whatever capacity that that looks like preach say that again five times (laughs) (laughs) and and motherhood is is a high calling it's not the highest Mm -hmm. and um but there's so many also there's so many ways to mother like you said And for me though, when I think about being a mom, it has shown me specifically a lot about the way that God loves us because I think about how critical I can be of myself and how hard I can be on myself. How, I mean, that's just sort of my default nature Mm -hmm. is to think about how I can always be doing stuff better. And I think that that's God's thumbprint on me in some ways is wanting perfection because I'm longing for more. Um, The problem is that I often try to look for that Everywhere else, you know, um, where God's saying, I- I've already taken care of that for you, that you can just rest in that, you know. And that's something that I think as a mom, I look at my kids and I think there is nothing that they could do that would make me love them less. Would I be disappointed? Would I be upset? Of course, naturally. But I think about how intense my love is for my daughter and my son and how. It would devastate me if they thought that they could lose that, you know, if they felt that they needed to pull away from me or hide from me or not be able to share something with me because, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to love them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that has shown me so much of how if I'm capable of loving my daughter like that with this imperfect love, how much more God loves me, and how much more his grace abounds for me in all of those areas that I feel like I fell short. Mm -hmm. And that has been a really, a really restful place for me, I think. Even though there's been a lot more challenges with motherhood, you sort of have a lot more stress in life naturally that just comes along with taking care of little ones. But there's a lot more peace, I think too, in terms of my identity than there Mm -hmm. was in the past.
0: I love that. I think that it's amazing to see how God reveals himself is refining us and molding us into his image more and more through the different relationships. So that being said, talking about womanhood, motherhood, you've already touched on it a little bit as a wife. Yeah. What are you learning about God and his heart when it comes to your
1: marital role? You know, I, I was really lucky to grow up with a father who loved me very well and who nurtured me and cared for me and showed me God's love and i was really lucky that it was never difficult for me to think of god as a loving father mm-hmm. because of that and so when it came time for dating or when it came time for getting married i felt like i had a good handle on what i was looking for and what was going to be honoring to okay. god you know um, and there's so many different things i don't believe in soulmates you know we can We can be uh, a good fit for a lot of different people wherever we are. And God is going to honor, I think, our choices regardless of where we are in a particular moment in time. But my husband is... He is a really incredible reflection, I think, of God's love for me on earth. And I, like I said, I'm really grateful to my dad for showing me that because then I recognized it in Pierce when he came along. Mm -hmm. And... There's a little bit of that backstory, that for a year it was sort of back and forth before I really realized it, but once I did, you know, it was really clear to me that um, that he loved God, and that he was gonna love me that way, and um, yeah, and so I think marriage is one of those. It's such an interesting thing to be married. You know, we, we put it up on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. and it's like the we, goal, right? We yeah, reach it. We put it up on this pedestal. We make it about all this passion and romance and all of this. You know, we find this person. Andy Stanley is my pastor. and He talks a lot about, you know, yeah. instead of trying to find the right person, try to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Mm. You know, focus more on on what is god doing in you to refine you Mm -hmm. um prior to marriage and i think that then in marriage you're going to continue to be refined Mm -hmm. you know just like you are as a parent or in any role that you play and it has been really refining for me um to be married because pierce just brings out all of the best in me Mm -hmm. he calls it out in me and he also calls out the nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but in a way, I think that's loving and serves to uplift me. And, you know, of course, we've had our challenges. We've been married almost 11 years. And as I told you earlier, we were up last night at one fifteen having a really serious conversation in the middle of the night because it needed to be done, you know. But when I think about the way that you commit yourself to somebody for your whole life, it's just a reflection of committing yourself to Jesus for your whole life and that it's a challenge and that it's something that you choose all the time Mm -hmm. you know just as I choose to marry Pierce and I marry him on that day we get married I still have to continue choosing him for the rest of my life that's just as Jesus saved me once and I'm saved and I'm going to spend eternal life with him but what is my life here on earth going to look like if I don't continue choosing him too every day and so, you know, there's all those parallels, and I think that that's why God—that's why God created family and marriage and relationships because He wants us to see Him in those things.
0: Man, friend, that's so good. Even hearing you speak, I feel like you've been through quite a journey, and you've had some really, really dark valleys, and you've had some beautiful high mountaintops. But hearing you speak, you speak with a lot of wisdom. Thank you. And it's beautiful. We've been friends for several years, and our story is pretty funny. We've had, you know, all kinds of different <laughs> We've seasons We've had a lot of, of fun adventures, We've had a lot really. of fun. I mean, just as a little insider, our friendship, I think, got a little more, i rooted or, or a little more, a little deeper when we got fired together. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs>
1: well okay we <laughs> got, got let go, let go of we course we were fired we nice didn't do anything
0: wrong no
1: it was we we had go. budget cuts budget cuts that's right that sounds i'm so
0: dramatic sometimes it i fired. do
1: remember though i do remember thinking that we were about to get in trouble mm-hmm. because the place where we worked was really not a healthy environment <laughs> hashtag toxic <laughs> um, it was very toxic and they called themselves faith-based but it was very difficult for us and so we would spend a lot of time you know uh talking on our lunch breaks about our frustrations Mm um and so when we got pulled into that room together and they said well there's been some i was thinking oh gosh there's been some talk that you guys have been bad mouthing or something like that and then they said there's been some budget cuts and i just remember being like oh okay cool that's fine that's that's fine you can let me go just don't fire me for talking bad about you with my friend because Oh, that was, a, that was a rough place to work, but it brought us together. It
0: did bring us together, and even, <laughs> even that, I think, there was refining in the process. And it's funny, because there was, even for you and I, this sense of relief yeah. that, of course some uncertainty of okay what happens next but mm-hmm. relief because it was not where we needed to be permanently right and sure. I remember I was leaving and saying you know what let's go, grab coffee and talk. <laughs> let's go grab coffee and talk about the things we want to do it was wonderful and and I feel like that strengthened like I said and rooted our friendship and so over the mm-hmm. years you know I think we've walked with each other through seasons and I see so much growth in you I you speak and I I know for one you're not speaking out of um, a place of people pleasing or to come up with nice words but because of life experience Mm -hmm. and that's beautiful it's so beautiful to watch a diamond being refined and sparkling brighter and brighter and reflecting Jesus that's the beautiful thing right even scripture talks about our faces being radiant never covered with shame And that happens when we look at the sun. Literally, when we look Mm -hmm. at the physical sun, our Mm -hmm. face lights up and the shadows fall behind us. And the same thing happens when we look at the sun, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and we're being transformed into his image. And in that process, yes, there is refining that hurts and a fire that purifies. But just like a a diamond, the the purer, the more light it will reflect. Mm -hmm. And um, I see that in you, a diamond being refined and reflecting Christ more and more from a place that is real and raw and i think that's why you're so perfect even for this show because the whole idea of unplugged is to be real to talk about real issues yeah. so that being said as much as you uh, want to what are some of the challenges in your life that you face that you're comfortable sharing that you are have either learned from or are learning from right now when it comes to being a woman
1: oh <laughs> well the most The most recent thing and I think the most obvious that you probably know I'm going to mention is the fact that I had my son in May and pretty quickly I would say within pretty much immediately I just fell into a really deep dark depression and I had a little bit I'd had a little bit of that after my daughter was born and as you know I have OCD so there's already there's already this sort of constant anxiety that's there that I have to uh, live with and adjust to and address and submit to God and all of those things but after my son was born my OCD just went through the roof which just intensified my depression I, I don't know how much of it was hormonal how much of it was just OCD you know there's so much of that stuff that happens when you give birth right Your body just has been through the ringer, and your hormones drop so rapidly, and I was in a really, really bad place, and I've written about that on several platforms, I've talked a little bit about it, I've talked about it on Instagram, and I've been pretty vulnerable and open about it, but I haven't given details, and I'm coming out of that now, I'm out of it at this point in terms of the depression, Um, but that was really hard, and that was... Traumatizing. That's really the only word for it. It was a trauma that I still haven't really been able to go back and look at very deeply. Because when I do, I just lose it. I just burst into tears. And it just guts me. Because I wanted to take my own life. I didn't want to. Of course, I wanted to be here with my family. But my brain was so on fire. <laughs> you know, with just... It. I think I might have said to you at one point it felt like I was in a room full of TVs that were bright and yelling at me all different channels all different voices constantly from the moment I woke up till I went to bed and all of those voices were saying to me you're terrible you're awful this is never gonna get better um, you're a failure you're gonna harm your kids um, they would be better off without you and when I finally was able to get on medication and get therapy, it was like all of that went down to one TV and the TV was still really loud and it was still yelling at me, but it was just one. And I was able to kind of take a breath and breathe. And um, I know that I'm gonna write about that. And two weeks before my son was born, I lost my agent. So I had an agent for my book and he had been shopping my proposal around to different publishers for about nine months and it had getting it had been getting really great feedback but ultimately it kept getting rejected because my platform was too small and because my influence being too small and i remember thinking when that happened right before my son was born okay god you are just doing something else with this and you know what this is probably not the right time anyway i'm about to have a child i don't need to be trying to write a book at the same time and then this happened and I realized that the story I was trying to tell wasn't done yet, and I don't want that story of of dealing with OCD and learning how to heal and seeing myself as good enough to be out there without this part of the story being told too. And it needs to be. And it's going to take some time, and it's going to take some reflection. But um, now that I don't feel that heavy curtain of despair hanging over me all the time i feel like i can finally start to process some of that and i will i'll be writing more about that in my in my book and probably in other other things too i just am not sure right now but yeah having a mental illness has been the biggest challenge i think in terms of of my relationship with god because that was the first time that i had ever not heard him in my whole life and that I think that sent me reeling almost harder than anything else because suddenly it was like God was totally silent to me. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, you know, maybe it's not that he's silent, it's that he's talking to you in a way he never has before. Wow. And, oh, sorry. (laughs) I think about how true that is because I was hearing him from doctors and from friends from people coming to sit with me in my house, texting me, random strangers on Instagram or messaging me saying they were praying for me, um, my family, people coming to stay with me because there was one Thursday where I was at my therapist's office and she almost called 911 and she didn't want me to leave the office by myself because she was afraid that I would take my own life. and having people around me who said, we are not gonna let you be alone. We're gonna show up for you. We're gonna be present with you. We're gonna check in on you. Um, My mom's doctor, who was the one who actually prescribed me um, Zoloft, sat with me and talked to me about everything that I was going through, didn't bat an eyelash. And even when he walked out of the room, he said, I want you to know I'm gonna be praying for you. And I was holding my son right here in this living room when I feel like I finally heard God again, and I was listening to Rescue by Lauren Daigle. Oh, man, sorry. I'm not sorry, I'm crying. It's totally normal to cry. Um, But there's the line where she says, I will send down an army. And God is saying, I'm going to send down an army, you know, in the middle of the hardest fight. I will rescue you. And I felt like that was what god was saying to me it was i have sent down an army of people of doctors of medicine of therapists to be with you in this i haven't left you i'm right here so yeah <laughs> That's so powerful Whew, i don't even know what to say <laughs> but it's amazing how when I was in the middle of that, I was thinking, this is never going to get better, mm-hmm. you know. And that's, that's the thing of, about having a mental illness. And when you're in a, a place of feeling, of having suicidal ideation and having those kind of thoughts is that you don't want to die. You just don't want to feel pain anymore. And because of the, um, h- however much of it is environmental or biological or any of those things. But, but because of what's happening to your body and what's literally happening in your brain, it feels so real you know it's not I knew it wasn't I knew logically based on my own life experience that it would get better I knew that I my life was worth living I wanted my babies to be to have a mother and truthfully that was the one thing that every time I would even think about it I would immediately think I cannot do that to my children I cannot let that be my legacy to them And I knew that God was bigger than this. I knew that Jesus was bigger than all of this and that He would rescue me and that anything that was saying it's not worth it was not the voice of God and that it was a lie. And even though it was a really loud, very powerful lie, that it it wasn't the voice that was going to have the last say. Hmm. And I didn't want it to have the last say. And so I just kept waking up every morning and I would be up before everybody else and I would go make my coffee and I would sit out on the back porch and I would just rail at God and just say like, you gave me this son. We asked for him, we wanted another baby. We asked for him, you gave him to us. His name is Theodore, that means gift of God. So you gave him to us, you better make this right. (laughs) You know, you better make this the way that it needs to be for my son and for my daughter, for my husband Because I know that you can, and I know that you will, and I know that this is not where you want me to live for the rest of my life. And um, man, won't he do it.
0: (laughs) Man, won't he do it. That's so true. I think many people struggle with that feeling of not being quite good enough, inadequate, missing the mark, or feeling broken. And for some reason, we think there's shame in brokenness and being human and being human when
1: god revealed himself exactly in that way exactly and that's what's that's what's so beautiful to me i think about christ and about his whole life and serving a god like that is that he he literally said your body is not something to be ashamed of your humanity is not something to be ashamed of in fact i'm going to show you how not shameful it is by coming down here and living in a body with you mm-hmm. and enduring all of the same things that you endure mm-hmm. and showing you how it can be done but also showing you almost that it can't be done on your own you have to have me that's so good you know it's saying like I'm gonna live it perfectly because I know that you can't and one of the things that my therapist and I've been talking a lot about is the fact that re- like perfection doesn't exist so I, I will say a lot of times well I know it's not perfect but and she's like no 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 It's not that you are trying to attain perfection and you're just not good enough to get there. It's that it's not possible. It doesn't exist. So you're literally striving after something that you will never attain without the sacrifice of Jesus. But he's already made me that. And I talk a lot about that in my book, that actually what we're longing for is not perfection, it's holiness. And that's already been given to us. Perfection is something that we strive to attain. Holiness is something that we receive. And we've already received it. Wow. You gotta say that again. (laughs) Say that one more time for the people in the back row. Yes. So, you know, perfection is something that we want and we go after it. I mean, here I am sitting in front of you without my makeup on. I've got a rosacea flare up. It's driving me crazy. She's still beautiful. (laughs) It's driving me crazy. I didn't have any skin problems till I hit 30 and then my body just went whoop and it comes and it goes. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. And I find myself always thinking, if I could just get here, if I could just get there, if I could just have this, this way, if my house would just stay clean or if my face would just stay clear or whatever, then I would be happy. And the truth is that that's not gonna happen. First of all, it's not gonna happen because I'm human and nothing ever stays exactly the same. Things always get messy, especially when you have kids. You have to continue to clean them up. You have to continue to care for your body. You have to continue to do those things, but it's not because they're bad it's because you're a human being and you're living in a body and this is the world that we live in and i think that looking at that as something to steward well as a gift that's been given to us versus this is not good enough already on its own i have to make it better all the time is is uh helpful way for me to look at it i think when i start to think about it is how can i do this to care for myself better how can i do this to care for my family better versus how can i do this to attain some sort of status that i think i need to achieve Mm -hmm. and that's a constant battle i mean that's hard to do especially as a type one Mm -hmm. as i said so i'm type one on the enneagram i'm a perfectionist and i see things around it sort of comes up in me naturally I look around and I automatically see things and how they could be better. Mm-hmm. And I want them to be better. And one of the things that I've been realizing is that it's really common, I think, for people with OCD to have that perfectionist tendency because we live so much in extremes. Mm-hmm. It's either everything's okay or everything's terrible. You know, if I don't do this this way, then something disastrous is going to happen. And the truth is that life is lived in that gray area mm-hmm. most of the time. There's beauty. And there's wonder, and there's joy, and there's majesty, and there's laughter and play. And then there's also frustrating things like illness, and there's pain, and there's sadness, and there's sorrow, and there's waiting for things that we want and don't have, and there's, you know, depression and mental illness. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, and those things are lived together. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to learn how to be okay with my own humanity (laughs) by remembering that Jesus has already redeemed all of that and that I can rest in that with Him.
0: That's so powerful, and I think you're so right. That picture you described earlier about that room full of TVs. I think many people have that. I know I struggle with it, and I'm sure many people do, where there is that sense of being bombarded with lies, with Mm. shame, with expectations. And you're right. Scripture even says in Ecclesiastes, there's a season for everything. Mm -hmm. Even in nature and in the Hebrew language, we see these double demands we see these opposites that are not contradictive they are complementary right darkness and light night and day we look at it and we see it in creation right the ocean the the flood and the tide there's this back and forth but to your point somehow we humans are so prone to lean towards one extreme or the other and i believe it was andy stanley who says it's more of a managing of tensions yeah right and so i think that There must be so much peace in learning that God is here, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, but that He's also here in the mundane. And Mm -hmm. I remember reading a devotion somewhere about the transfiguration of Jesus on the Mount where He was transfigured and in all His glory with a few of His disciples, but then He went back down into the demon-possessed valley. He didn't stay on the Mount of Transfiguration. And just like you said earlier, He came, God Almighty, the star breather Mm -hmm. came as a human, came as a baby. And what do babies do? They throw up and they poop and they <laughs> vomit and they're totally dependent. Have you ever dependent. thought about
1: Jesus like that? I love thinking about him and his crazy. humanity like that. That he was a little boy who fell down and his yeah. mom had to pick him up yeah. and show him the way. Because yeah. it talks about him growing in wisdom, Yeah. right? Right, so you ha- he had to grow. That. So that means so he, he had didn't... to grow. right Not that he sinned, but that he learned He learned. by making natural human mistakes.
0: And that's you so know. beautiful that God didn't just plop him out of the sky, he came through a vagina.
1: He came <laughs> I in know, a bloody-
0: Bloody, raw, unplugged. So I'm telling you, man,
1: that's Women have been playing a role in this from of the course. beginning of time. very beginning. Mary Magdalene, yep. was she the one that was like, hey, Savior, man, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Our teacher, where is he? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not in there anymore. She was the first evangelist. Yeah. You know, she's running out there telling yeah. everybody he is not here anymore. Yeah. And he revealed himself to her and said, Mary. She didn't recognize him, but then he said her name. Yes. And she recognized him. You know, I mean, I think that's so beautiful that we got yeah. to we as women you know to play this really crucial part in birthing him yes and telling people about him yes and like you said i mean it's a beautiful thing to be a woman and to share in that legacy whether we are moms or not you know biological mothers or right. foster mothers or if we're single women yeah it doesn't matter we get to play a part in that story
0: i think that's so beautiful i love that you uh, brought up that scripture where mary does meet jesus after he ra- is raised back to life i remember reading that and just crying because i felt god using that scripture to really speak to me and what stood out yeah. to me was the fact that well she didn't recognize him she thought he was the gardener mm-hmm. right and she was mourning her her friend her savior her yeah. rabuni her teacher mary had found the one who completed her, who redeemed her broken story, who who loved her, who forgave her, who rewrote her story, and she couldn't find him. And I think that we can see parallels in our own life of that hunger, looking for answers and brokenness. And oftentimes there are no easy answers. I, I, I've been trying to walk with Jesus for a long time, and to this day, I sometimes see things that I really don't understand, yeah. where I get angry or, or disappointed, or I ask God, why you could have prevented this? and even still don't always have the answer but realizing that god is in the mundane and that he's present in that room full of the TVs that are yelling at us yeah. that he is trying to teach us intimacy with him not so much that he's a means to an end but that he is the
1: he is, he is all of it. All he of it. He is the he means is and the
0: end. The means and the end. That was so good. He's the beginning and the end. He's the means and the end. And he wants to be right there with us, even if the storm hasn't cleared yet, even if the clouds are still there, even if our sight is still blurry, even if the depression isn't gone yet or the the OCD or the struggle. And then to see in the story with Mary and Jesus, how he says her name. I remember just starting to cry because it was so personal. How he just mm-hmm. looks at her and goes, Mary, mm-hmm. it's me. And I imagine him saying that to us. Wendy, it's me. Yeah. Rosalie, it's me. You know, insert your name. Whoever's listening to this right now, put your name in there. And just imagine looking at you with so much love in his eyes. And going, Susie, Laura, Mary, Mary whoever you are it's me look at me baby look at me I'm alive I have overcome death even if we don't always see the results of it in our earthly bodies because even scripture says that our bodies are longing to be redeemed we're yearning to be redeemed we're still in this shell one day we will be known fully and fully know right now it's a reflection and to cling to that hope even when we haven't been fully redeemed yet, even if it's not all come to completion yet until we are before him
1: right and that's that's a a, kind of like what i was saying before too with that whole idea that it is us longing for him when we are wanting perfection yes it is it is god saying i created you to long for something more than what is here on this earth yes because it can't fully satisfy i am not somebody who who thinks that the body is inherently evil or that the earth is inherently evil but it is flawed and there's so much beauty to be found in it again seeing Jesus come down and live in that with us uh, shows me I think that like I mean God created it for us to enjoy and there is so much here for us but it's not everything Mm -hmm. and and he is that and we're going to want that we're going to want more and we're going to find ourselves for me a lot of times it has been books i love books and it's it it, in a healthy way a lot of times it's been an escape for me but sometimes it's also been a way for me to avoid Mm -hmm. spending time with god or doing some of that hard work that i need to do um that refining work as we talked about before for somebody else it might be something a little bit more sinister like drugs or right. uh, promiscuity, or it might be just spending money. It might be any—it's uh, uh, so many different things, and some of those things can be healthy, or they can be good things on their own. But then we turn to them and make them them idols because we are like, okay, well, this is the thing that's going to fulfill me. And it's it's natural for us to want to long for more. But the truth is, we're always going to be longing for more. Yeah, and. It's not about saying, well, okay, well, I give up. I'm not going to work hard. I'm not going to pursue anything good or my goals or anything like that. It's just I think that when we can sort of step back and say, I am not going to find what I'm looking for here on earth. So I can actually enjoy some of these things a little bit more than I am instead of thinking about them, like you said, as a means to an end, as always being another thing to achieve, another thing to get, and then one day I'll get there. I think when we can recognize, like, we're not going to get there here on earth, actually makes it takes the pressure off my goals matter my happiness does matter my joy god again he wants us to thrive he wants us to have an abundant life but recognizing that that's not ever going to be completely fulfilled until we're in the presence of god right there in front of his throne you know complete and whole without flaw as we will be heaven and whatever that looks like whether it looks like earth because sometimes I do think that heaven is going to be like it is a a perfect earth right where everything lives in harmony together Um, and I think that when I can step back and say you know what this thing that I'm trying to do is really valuable and really important I can take my time with it I don't have to strive because the truth is there's always going to be more there's always going to be some next thing that you want so when you can satisfy yourself with the, the truth that you're not going to find it in some ways it does take the pressure off it does make it more enjoyable to be doing what you're doing right then because it's just for the joy of that thing yeah it's just for the joy of that date or or that book that you're writing or this podcast that you're doing or that conversation or that meal or whatever it is you know um it brings me more joy to be able to do that stuff because i know that when i'm trying to make something happen so that i can achieve something Mm -hmm. because not for the sake of oh this brings me joy to it to try to do this thing because i love it but because i think i need to measure up to somebody's expectation Mm -hmm. or culture's standard of something that makes me valuable if i don't get you know like the only way it makes me valuable is if i do that then that's when i become unhappy so i think if you just not just i say just as though it's easy to do that but it's not but it's reminding myself over and over i am longing for more i do want more and that's okay, but it's not gonna come from anything that I'm striving to get right now. So just enjoy what you're doing, Wendy, because you can't ever live up fully to those perfect expectations. It's just not possible.
0: That's so good. I think so many women can relate to this. Cause I mean, if we're honest, I doubt there's any woman or hardly any woman who in every area of her life feels like she's arrived. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter how rich you are if or you how If you are that beautiful. person,
1: then let me meet you because well,
0: yeah, that are they're, they're lying to themselves. I mean, honestly, I feel like there's always an area where it's not quite you know be it mm-hmm. our looks be it our job be it our income be it what we do as a mother I mean we've joked about this even in our phone calls how oh, yeah. we have this idea that we're expected to be these amazing moms who pop out babies <laughs> and naturally without pain medication which you know you have done kudos to you don't know how <laughs> a lot of respect for that but then also really fast <laughs> Yeah. <That's how. laughs> then also recover in five minutes and look hot but and look then, sexy but don't look too sexy don't look too sexy look sexy because then you might make somebody stumble right oh you don't want to make anybody stumble and you want to <laughs> (laughs) be attractive you want to deliver in the bedroom into the kitchen make a home (laughs) cooked meal with organic food that you grew in your backyard right while you're cleaning the house and knitting organic cotton clothes for your children right making fresh eggs from the chicken that are only grass-fed and vegan in your backyard (laughs) right next to the cow that you milk on a regular for the butter you churn yourself i mean i know many people will laugh at this but
1: it's true oh it's so true always so true it's more and i talk about that i've been a home homeschool mom and I've my child's now in public school we put her in public school because I was going through this intense severe depression and I did not have the capacity to homeschool her I had all these ideas about what it was gonna look like after I had my son I said oh I'm gonna continue to homeschool her I'm gonna be home with my babies and I'm gonna work and all of those things because my homeschool year with her was incredible it was so fun but I also didn't write anything You know, and so we sent her to public school so that I could get better. Well, now I'm feeling better, and I'm getting to write again. But there's guilt with that, too. Now she's in public school, and is she going to encounter bullies? And is she going to really be able to learn very much? And, you know, now my son's in daycare for part of the day. And are they really holding him and giving him as much love as I would give him? Does he feel abandoned? You know, but then when he's here, it's uh, your children are around, then... Mm -hmm. of course your focus is going to be on them but you're trying to keep your house clean and you're also trying to work on things that you love to do and no matter where you go or what you do my therapist said to me every yes you give is a no to something else Mm. and the truth is no matter what you do even if you you think oh i need to be a homeschool mom and i've got to do all these things well then you're saying no maybe to your work Mm -hmm. to the the thing that you want to create Mm -hmm. okay well then you go do that thing well and then your kids go to daycare and public school Mm -hmm. you know and they're away from you and it's there's always going to be this give and take yeah in life and the truth is that we can't have everything or should we try because it's exhausting and i think what happens is that that ends up making us that is the enemy's trick to make us look away from jesus and the way that he has made us perfect into believing that if we can just get all of that stuff then we'll be made right
0: wow that's good that is so true yeah that's so deep, I don't even know what to say. Because, I mean, really, it ministers to me, because like I was saying earlier, you've been through such dark times and it's refining you into this diamond that's reflecting God. And there's such a relief listening to you and watching you do life, you know? And I know it's not like, you know, you, I mean, this is the point of the, the whole conversation. It's not like you've reached it now and everything's kumbaya. I know you have your struggles on a daily. I, I literally have mine. sat
1: and like I said, when we were talking last night or this morning at one fifteen in the morning, and i started boohooing because i said gosh it feels like there's always something with me because i am that perfectionist because i do long for things to be right and good and moral and pure and all of that i do look around and think oh i could do that better i could do that better i could do that better and I, that's what i was saying to my husband was i feel like it's always it always comes back on me being dissatisfied somehow mm-hmm. you know with the way that things are mm-hmm. and that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. That's really hard for me to see that in myself mm-hmm. because I don't want to view life that way. I mean, when I was talking just a few minutes ago about oh you just rest, that's not an easy thing to do. Nope. It's, it's simple, hard. but it's not easy to do. Right. It is a constant checking right. in with God and saying, What is my motivation here? What is what am why am I doing this? Yep. Is it because, yeah. like I said, I'm trying to steward this well? Yeah. Is it because My house needs to be clean because Mm -hmm. it's messy and that's good for us to have a clean house where things are not dirty and gross or am i trying to do this so that then i can only rest because my house looks good and that means that i have done enough Mm -hmm. and i have achieved something ain't nobody following me around with a camera checking on how
0: clean my house is nope and if they did they'd probably be comparing their house to how amazing yours looks (laughs) right
1: I mean, we do that and we live in this wonderful age where we have so much access online and with social media, but we also live in a time where we're constantly looking at everybody else's stuff and life and thinking, got to have that, got to do that, got to be that. And the truth is we're all putting filters on. We're all taking pictures of the beautiful things when just right outside of the frame is a big pile of laundry right or maybe right before you took that picture your kid was screaming at you right or you got into a fight with your husband or maybe it was a beautiful photo and that moment was perfect great awesome I'm taking a lot of photos like that but yeah it's just one moment yeah and I'm just trying to remember that it's okay to just rest and being in the gray area
0: and that's so relieving that's so relieving. Even just to hear you say that. And it, a lot of you know the things you struggle with resonate with my struggles. But seeing you share that and learning to rest in that is almost an encouragement, not almost, is an encouragement for me to do the same. And I really hope that anyone that listens to this can in and exhale and also meditate on that you know because even scripture says it be still and know that I am God Mm -hmm. and the beautiful thing about scripture I'm learning is it does not contradict itself if we read it in context right you know and that's why that scripture that says there's a season for everything ties all that together be still and know that I'm God being still does not mean doing nothing right sometimes being still means being at peace
1: in what you're doing it's resting resting I think I think I, I said this to one of my friends the other day and it also makes me think of a um Uh, sort of an example that again andy i love andy that andy stanley did on stage one time where he was talking about putting our weight on god as if we're like sitting on a chair yeah it's sort of an an active thing to to rest yeah yeah you are placing your weight on something and you have this expectation like it's gonna hold you up yeah you know i am sitting and i'm relaxing in something else that's doing the work for me you know but um you are saying it is an active thing of going i'm I'm placing yeah. this weight here, I'm doing this, yeah, you know, and I'm resting in you, and I'm gonna be still and wait for you to speak to me, or I'm just gonna sit here with you and trust that maybe this is all that I need for right now. Right. That's just what came to my mind was of of being still, was not being passive.
0: I love that, I think it's true. It says cast your care on him because he cares for you. In order to cast something, you gotta cast it. (laughs) Right. <laughs> if you don't let it go, you it's going to be in your hand. And we've said this, you know, If, if even for our children, we want to give them good things. In order to do that, they have to let go of whatever is in their hand. And oh, it's the yeah. same thing for us. I mean, if we don't let it go, what's in our hand. Be it the toxic things that we believe, be it the lies we believe, be it the things we think can fulfill us. Mm-hmm. then we cannot have an open hand for what He is trying to place in our hands. So, to conclude this conversation, what do you have on your heart to share with any of the listeners Ooh. when it comes to... All the things we've talked about—life, motherhood, wifehood (if that's a word), womanhood—and the things that you've learned. Any encouragement for anyone that's struggling with similar things or being bombarded with those lies and those expectations? I think one of
1: the things is that I want—I want us to be able to embrace our humanity, and um, and think about ourselves as being made in the image of God. And I know that that's a phrase that get, you know we've heard it so many times, and I think it's—it's it's obviously it's true and it's beautiful. But the more that you hear things, the more your brain becomes accustomed to it, and it it loses its meaning. You know, it's like if you say a word over and over and over, eventually it stops making sense. Right. And I think I want us to be able to think about what that actually looks like, that we were made in the image of God, that God said, and I've said this to you before, he thought about us. I think it's the C.S. Lewis quote that says that we were born in God's thought, you know, that he thought about us. And he said, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, like when we get a good idea and we think, oh, yes, I got to go make that. I got to go do that or say that. That's how God feels about us. And so that's something that I wish that more women and more people would be able to think about how much value their life has. And the fact that they exist, just the fact that they're here is evidence of that. It's evidence of God's love. Like you are proof of God's love by the very fact that you exist on this planet. And... And that's such a beautiful thing. And it's not easy, and life is hard, and it's messy, and it hurts sometimes. Oh, it hurts so bad. But it's also really, really beautiful. And that's one of the most beautiful things to me is to think about, you know, for example, when I was wanting to try and have a second child, and then you realize, oh, I'm pregnant. There's this life within me. Oh, my gosh, yay. You know, and I'm a flawed just human mother that's how God thinks about us even more so yes they're here you know they're living they're gonna get to know me and they're gonna do so many wonderful things and I just want us to be able to think about ourselves that way as these really beautiful creations that we are so
0: Wendy that's so good you are such a light and an encouragement how are you I'm so thankful that you were on this show with me today I'm yeah, honored thank
1: you for asking me thank so you fun. for
0: spending time with me and, a and sharing and Raylan yes yeah, <laughs> and the little Raylan now where can people go to find more about you I would love to point anyone listening to all the things Wendy yeah. Nunnery
1: yeah well it's funny because I did actually finally change all my social media handles to Wendy Nunnery I used to be Lady Nunnery um, but I figured I should just make it my name to make it easy so yeah you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook I think Facebook is Wendy Nunnery author, but, um, my Twitter and Instagram handle is at Wendy Nunnery and my website is wendynunnery.com. I am actually redoing it. I've transferred over to Squarespace and I'm updating some things. So that'll be up pretty soon. And you can also listen to my podcast on iTunes at SoCD, so the so OCD podcast. So that's kind of where I am right now and you'll find all of my books for sale on my website and there'll be updates there, you know, free things that you can get when you sign up for my email list and also I'll have updates there about the book. That's so those awesome.
0: Things come in, so. And friends, I would really recommend you go and check it out because her posts and the things she puts out are encouraging. They make you laugh. They make you cry because you feel understood. Oh, I'm so, glad. <laughs> so, really, go, go follow her. And um, thank you so much for tuning in, friends. Thank you so much, Wendy, thank you. for being on this love show. <laughs> I love you too. All right, friends, thank you so much for your time and for tuning in. I hope you guys have an awesome day. Stay tuned for the next episode. This is Rosalie Elliott with special guest Wendy Lunnery and woman unplugged.